Welcome back to another episode of Slice Up Your Life. I'm your host, Rach Bedell. And for all of my Iowa people, you will know this name from the courts of Carver Hawkeye Arena, and that is Jared Cole. So Jared played basketball at the University of Iowa, and that's how I know him. And his wife also played basketball at the University of Iowa, and I knew her as well. Jared was a couple years older than both of us, and he was actually playing when I was there to see on my unofficial visit. I remember watching him play at the basketball game. Um, But yeah, we talk about family, Christian dating, and his passion project, The Ambassador, a biblically informed Christian coalition that engages issues of religion, race, justice, and culture in ways that pursue reconciliation. Again, God's timing is wild, y'all, and this was something that was already in the works, but was birthed during quarantine in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement. But Jared is an absolute blast, and I think y'all will take to heart what he has to say. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jared. Obviously, yeah, you're, you have three little girls at home. How has this yeah. time been at home? I know I just keep hearing, I don't want to say horror stories, but I will say I'm thankful to not have kids during uh-huh. this time where yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're having to now be all of the jobs you and Trisha yes. are. How has yeah. that been? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not been, it hasn't been too crazy. So my wife, she stays home anyway. So she takes care of the kids on a day-to-day regular basis and whatnot. Um, and it's actually been really helpful for her for sure, but it's been really like, man, engaging for me right because mm-hmm. i've been having to stay home and work from home um just during this time of covid and so man just getting that extra time with the kid it's actually been really fun um and so yeah my oldest daughter she's five okay. and so she was in she started preschool this past year so she was in preschool when covid hit and um man she's super smart she's you know super extroverted really energetic uh kids just flock to her man she loves she loves that kind of spotlight type of deal and so she was just thriving in school you know mm-hmm. and so even at five she's you know the weekend comes she's not going back to school the next day and she's like yo i'm not i'm not going to school <laughs> you know what, what what's the deal i want to go back to school i mm-hmm. want to see my friends i miss my teachers you know and so that was it was it was crazy i wasn't expecting that five that we would be you know talking to our kid about uh uh their heart for missing school <laughs> you yeah. know we almost had like a little couple week mourning period with our five-year-old on 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 preschool uh but yeah it's been it's been really neat um it's actually helped us too, kind of getting to know some of our neighbors oh, around yeah. our around our neighborhood uh you guys know like when you get into that hustle and bustle of normal and real life and whatnot you don't really take the time out to you know, do more than pull your car into the driveway, mm-hmm. you know, close the, close the garage, walk in your house, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, man, times just slowed down so much. And so getting outside, uh, building a relationship, my girls are, they're loving their, you know, neighborhood, you know, kid friends and whatnot. And so it's, it's really been a blessing, uh, in some ways. That's awesome. So yeah. when did you and Trisha start dating? I know I remember because I was really good friends with Bethany who's really good friends with Trisha so I remember when it was sports world we were all like we all hung out anyways but yeah Yeah. talk to me a little bit about that because I feel I don't know but I feel like this uh I don't know like your faith journey whether it started pre-Trisha or during Trisha or all of that so tell me about yeah um yeah great great question so yeah, I'll just say a little bit about how like me and her met. So we were in college. Uh, my wife and I, we played basketball at college. For those of you who are listening and don't know, um, we played basketball at the University of Iowa. And so I was going into my junior year. Uh, so that had to have been, what, 2009? And then my wife was coming in that year as a freshman. Uh, she wasn't my wife at the time, but then so she was coming in. And I remember... Me and, my, me and my roommate at the time, we were in Carver Hawkeye Arena, the, the basketball gym at University of Iowa. We were down there shooting hoops and whatnot. And so this is after sophomore year, junior year is coming up. And I think Trisha might have been on maybe a visit <laughs> or like, you know, like some kind of official visit or something. So we're <laughs> shooting hoops. 
and you you know Rachel when you're down there on that court and it's you know kind of summertime ish you're looking up and all you can see is silhouettes yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> up there walking around the top uh mezzanine in that corridor up there and so I think I, so I was looking up and I was seeing like this kind of shadowy figure and I could see I knew it was a girl <laughs> you know might have been hormones raging I don't know man but it was just like yo that, she looked bad up there you know <laughs> and she started coming down the stairs so I was telling my wife this story like maybe been a couple years ago and she didn't know that that was the first time that I kind of seen her and I recognized her um but yeah so that was like you know going in the summer of 2009 that I had first seen her and so the story of how we actually met goes kind of like this. Um, so we had open gyms all the time at Carver Arena, uh, women's basketball, men's basketball. And women typically went first whenever we were doing open gyms, especially during those summer times. Mm -hmm. And so one day we were doing open gyms. The women were in there first. And Trisha has this necklace. I didn't know she had this necklace, <clears throat> but she has this necklace. And so... Apparently, she takes the necklace off, puts it on the back of the, uh, the 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 basketball hoop extension, and it's just sitting there. And then so the men come in, I come in, and we're getting ready for open gym. And I see this necklace sitting on the back of the basketball extension. And so I go to this necklace. I'm like, hey, this necklace looks pretty cool. It's like a little cross necklace. It's a little tight. You know, that was that 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 that, 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 that was the style back then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and so I grab it. I actually put it on. And so I'm wearing this thing, uh, oh and it was listen. It was probably like, yeah, I know it sounds low key creepy, right? But anyway, <laughs> it was like days. It had to be like days later. Uh, I am in the training room. Trisha comes in the training room, and she's just you know freaking out. Has anybody seen my necklace? Anybody seen my necklace? And I don't even know how it worked out. That that was the first time she had come in there asking about it. I was in there. I obviously had the necklace on, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and she was just like, does anybody see my necklace? Anybody see my necklace? And I was like, are you talking about this necklace? <laughs> oh my gosh. She was like, and she was like, yeah, that's my necklace. Can I have it back, please? Can I have it back? And I told her, nah, it looks better on me. <laughs> oh. And mind you, she's like a little baby freshman. And, and mind you, she's like a little baby freshman. <laughs> See, I wasn't. See, I wasn't even looking at it like that. I really wasn't even at the time looking at it like I was trying to, you know, hit on or pick her up or whatever. No, man. but, but I'm I, saying like I intimidation was, factor of like this junior yeah. being like, no, you don't. You look better on me. I'd be like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Talk to you yeah. later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, but long story short, um, actually, not long story short. It's like shortly after, like. It must have worked, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I think I think what actually happened is we always we always debate this back and forth, like who hit who up first and whatnot. But I think she actually hit me up first back when uh, Facebook was popping, you know. So you hit mm -hmm. up in the Facebook Messenger and you're like, "Yo, what are you doing?" Um, this, that, and the other. You know, we started hanging out, uh, going to athletes in action, all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, the rest is history. The rest is history. Three, the rest is history. Three almost four kids later three almost four kids later <laughs> toddlers toddlers yeah oh goodness so okay so then when did you come to faith in college or when did you become like a believer pretty strong in your faith yeah um college was a huge turning point for me so i actually i grew up in a church uh, when i was back home in kansas city i'm from kansas city originally uh, my parents, you know, they raised their kids in the church, my sister and I, and we were in this, it's a way different context than I find myself in right now. I grew up in a traditional black Southern Baptist context down in Kansas City, mm -hmm. uh, gave my life to Christ at a really young age, you know, and I was like 10 or 11 years old. Um, and it was at a time, right, where you know, you don't really understand the faith or understand the depth of what Jesus has done for you, you know, at that, at that young of an age. Mm -hmm. But there was something that I'm convinced that I did believe. And that was that, uh, the fact that Jesus Christ was who we said he was, <laughs> he died for our sins on the cross. Uh, I was sinful. <laughs> he was not, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and, and, and I needed him. Right. And so like, I knew that I could articulate that in my faith. 
And so I made that profession of faith when I was about 10 or 11 years old, uh, made the conscious decision to get baptized then as well. Uh, and so, yeah, that kind of started me on my faith journey. But then I had always been around like this kind of uh, discipleship in my faith from going to uh, Mount Washington Bible Baptist, you know, all throughout elementary school, middle school. And I would also do uh, Awanas, <laughs> you know, if you know what a, if you mm-hmm. know what Awanas is, uh, it's it's so crazy because I was trying to balance these two different worldviews, right? This kind of this weekend experience, this Sunday service in this completely different context. And I was getting this midweek experience in Awanas, right? Yeah. Uh, but it kind of, when I look back on my life and I look back on what I'm doing right now, especially in terms of ministry, it feels like, uh, and probably you can attest to this, and a lot of your listeners can attest to this, like, I've been preparing you what you do. Yep. <laughs> you know, he's he's giving you all these little stepping stones, giving you all these little nuggets. He's building you and shaping you ultimately to get to a place where uh, you're going to get to later in life. And so it's been really fun to kind of look back and see uh, what God's been doing. And so when I got to high school, you know, carried my faith on then and uh, the girlfriend I had at the time in high school, we would actually go down to the inner city of Kansas City. We'd round up a bunch of kids in this van we had. And then we'd take them to this church called City Church down in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And then we would do um, weekday Bible studies there, you know. Uh, and then in college, uh, same thing, got involved in AIA. Uh, a real key turning point in college for me was freshman year, right? Like all this time, you know, you're, you're saying, oh, you're so devout. You're a great Christian man, <laughs> you know? yeah. but I, but I wasn't right. It was more like a, like a, like a duality of a life, right? I, I, I played basketball all through middle school, high school, college. Um, there were a lot of things that were at my disposal and there were very little things that I did not partake in, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so uh, getting to, college freshman year uh i remember that summer i get up there the freshman year and, and man just like felt like i was just walking in this oasis of you know do this and do that and do this and, and anything i could get my hands on i was i was i was at it you know but then i was also like this high profile athlete and so the season starts freshman year and eight games in i'm doing well i worked my way up into a starting position uh i've been starting for five games now at this point. So eight games in, I actually tear my ACL uh, freshman year. So I'm, I'm in this game. I remember this very distinctly, man. I'm in this game. I go and set the screen and roll for my guy, Justin Johnson. I've set a screen and roll and roll to the basket like a billion times in my life. It's like my bread and butter, right? <laughs> so I set the screen, boom, roll to the basket. I get this pass, catch it. You know, we're down by one. I go up. I'm screaming, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Boom. I dunk the basketball. I come, I'm, I'm still screaming, right? Hanging on the rim. I come down screaming still. We go up by one. I'm like, yeah, I land on the ground. And like, I just, I didn't land on nobody's foot. I didn't land on the basketball at all. But there was like a, a real mild tweak in my knee, but it was just enough to get literally everything in there. So I tore my ACL partially tore my MCL and then ruptured both my medial and lateral meniscus all oh. in the, all, in the, all in the same go. And so it was, it was insane, man. And so that, that, that injury really kind of sat me down and put me in this, you know, kind of timeout and really had me thinking, you know, on my faith, what was basketball to me? And that was the first time I think I kind of got shaken in my identity Mm-hmm. as far as you know basketball and whatnot and so so after that i mean my life did, still didn't clean up very much but then, <laughs> but, it, but 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 it was you know god did get my attention in that you know and then mm-hmm. so fast forward two years later junior year meet trisha and you know so with her the story has it this way she's from ames Iowa, where we live at right now um she was part of a church here called Cornerstone Church and Cornerstone Church uh, was wanting to be a sending church. They wanted to start doing church plants. And so their main thing is college ministry. They have this thing called Salt Company. Mm-hmm. So there's a salt company here at Iowa State University. And so they want to plant salt companies on all these other college campuses and University of Iowa uh, 
was their first church plant, but it was their first church plant mainly. And I like to say this, man, my wife actually started the church plant movement oh my gosh. From, from this, from this church. So the, the pastor like, yo, she's going to Iowa city. Um, I've been down there, you know, there is no like real thriving college ministry like there, like, like, like Salt Company is here in Ames. So we're going to just put one down there. So they literally sent like seven of their best ministry leaders <laughs> to go down to Iowa City and start a church, man. And then, so that was, so when she came, we got into a relationship. That was the first time that I met other men of faith, like that were, that were, you know, hard after Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, um, in college that could disciple me. And so that was a huge turning point right there in my junior year in college. Yeah. How was like dating during Christian dating? Cause I'll tell you, yeah. I like just yeah. came to faith a little over a year ago and that yeah. is complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unpack that a little bit. What do you mean? Um, <laughs> what do you mean well, okay. I also, mind you, it probably doesn't help that I have never really dated. I've had two super yeah. like long-term relationships. And so yep. then like yep. I moved to a new city and brand spanking new to faith and meeting people and just like trying to decipher like what, like how to date. Cause I feel like it should be look mm. differently. And I've talked to a couple friends too of like, you know, making sure to get really get to know each other before you like start yeah. actually going on like date dates and things like that. And then it's like yep. dating within the church and that can get kind of sticky. sticky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know yeah. you, like, you yeah. guys are both athletes and like, obviously yeah. you had like salt. Was it, did you feel like a certain pressure or was it just pretty natural? I mean, obviously y'all were, yeah. It worked out fine. <laughs> worked out yeah, great. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah, was there any, did you guys feel any pressure or any weirdness throughout that? Man, you know what? Um, I wouldn't say there was any pressure. Um, honestly, man, like like full disclosure, I had, like Trisha couldn't have came out. I, I was actually coming off of a relationship when I had met Trisha, you know? And I wasn't even desiring a relationship with anybody at that time. You know, I had come to this point where I was like, man, I had, you know, this girl, that girl, this girl, some relationships, some not, you know. And I was at a point where I was just like, like, God, like, this is empty <laughs> to mm-hmm. me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm finding no lasting joy in chasing after women, you know. And so I was at a point where I was just like, if if I'm gonna have a, a a girl, if I'm gonna have a a woman in my life, you're gonna have to bring her to me, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there was there was a maturation process. I think that happened between that sophomore year summer and Trish and I didn't even start really dating until late junior year, um, probably even after junior season. So coming into my senior year. Uh, but all that time, um, man, God's been doing this work in me, right? And so coming into that relationship with Trisha, there was like literally no pressure mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of, you know, what 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 I was expecting from the relationship. Um, but at the same time, like we wanted to be pure. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to do this thing the right way. You know, we wanted to wait until our 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 wedding day, um, you know, before we before we had sex. Mm-hmm. And so we um we we did that right we wait we made that commitment um but we weren't we weren't perfect in that right and i think that that's a that that's a huge thing that christian couples have to deal with <laughs> right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is this is this reality that like this tension between wanting to be pure and then deciding okay how much is pure how much is too pure yeah. <laughs> how, how much how much is how much is not pure <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. um and there's and there's all these there's all these different tensions you know um but in but in the midst of it i don't think i would call it like a a tension or a pressure mm-hmm. you know um you obviously have your own community so we were actually pursuing uh different communities and this is true in my context right now so i lead like this discipleship group for these salt company students they go to iowa state university they come to the church and they choose to be discipled by some of the community members and so I've had like over the past few years, every year I have a new group of senior boys who come and we do discipleship group one night a week. 
And this is this is a major this is a major topic, right? Yeah. And so when me and Trisha were dating at first, we had that kind of community, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. when we were in college. And so what she was doing was going to her discipleship group leader and her discipleship group community, those other girls in that group, and and they would, you know, have this community of communication, uh, confession, uh, correction, rebuke, right? And so mm-hmm. I think, and then I would get the same in my in my group, and this is what I'm doing now for the for, for the men that come uh, to me in my discipleship group. And so I think the um, the desire to be pure is is holy, yeah. right? But the desire to be a a righteous person of God should be holier, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Or, or 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 should be a greater desire. Mm-hmm. You know, and so in in doing that, you're not going to live a perfect life, and that doesn't mean, hey, you know, grace abounds, so sin all the more. But that, but that does mean, uh, man, when you fall, because you're going to fall. When you fall, the the goal isn't to stay falling. I say, well, we already come this far. We might as well just, <laughs> you know, keep keep going. Yeah. Uh, the goal is to actually walk in the light, seek community. Um, confess what's happened and then repent from that, you know? Yeah. No, I love that. Um, okay. Switching gears a little bit. Yeah. Thinking of just, I'm, I'm interested too, of this time, like you have three girls, hopefully one boy. Um, what, how are you, <laughs> like how, and they're very, very young. How do you uh-huh. talk to them about everything that's going on right now? Because um, y'all yeah. are, for the people who don't know, that <laughs> you don't know Jared, Jared's black and Trisha is white. So they are an mm-hmm. interracial couple. And like, how are, how are you handling everything? How, um, I know some stuff yeah. has come out of, you know, uh, Iowa, mainly like football stuff. Like, how have you been handling the past, I don't even know how long, I feel like days yeah. and weeks are kind of meshing, but obviously this yeah. is been something for you your whole life but like for the rest for a lot of the world it's been the past month or so yeah yeah i think that's a great way to put that rachel um just kind of drawing that distinction between you know how much of this has been a reality for me you know (laughs) for however long time then how much of it is a cultural moment for a lot of others uh but i think i can speak to the cultural moment aspect of it real quick and just say man it's, it's been super tough just the last month or so has been really, really tough. Like when you're coming off the backs of three consecutive weeks of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna mm-hmm. Taylor, George Floyd, um, and just trying to understand and dive into that, you know, and I, I find myself in a position now where I'm around a, a, a bunch of people who are wanting to have this conversation, you know? So week in and week out, I've actually found myself in different venues and different people's houses on different podcasts and different interviews, you know, mm-hmm. talking about this, talking about this very thing. Um, and I mean, I got to tell you, it's, it's, it's so, it's so taxing, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a t- it's so tiring. Um, and it's, and it's crazy because there's, there's people around me who uh, I love dearly, who I, who I look in the face on a regular basis, you know, who, may not agree or may not see from the same worldview that I see things, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what some of the most challenging parts in it all is not necessarily the injustices that are happening, although the injustices are horrible. It's more so feeling more lonely in my, <laughs> in my, you know, understanding of it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, and so those, that's probably the, the, the hardest part for me. Um, but it also, like, this isn't the first time. 2020 is not the first time this has happened. This kind of racial tension, yeah. this heightened racial tension in America, right? Like 2015 was another time. 2012 was another time. And last night I was just at a meeting with a bunch of men who were having this conversation. And one of the questions I asked was, you know, what's different about 2020 where we're actually wanting to sit down and have this conversation like this? Um when 2020 is not the first time. And a lot of men in that group were older men, you know, upper 50s, 60s. 
And so mm-hmm. they'd been around for the 1992 riots. They had mm-hmm. been around. Some of them had been around for uh, MLK in, in, you know, 1968, wow. you know? And so like, it's when you, when you think about it generationally like, like that, and then you come to look at 2020 and you say, like, it took all this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of the question that's always on my mind, you yeah. know? And then, so just in terms of my family, talking to my girls and, just kind of have that conversation. I was talking to my wife about this the other day and um, I'm wrestling with thinking that five and three and one, obviously the three and one for sure. Five is, five is too, five is too early to have a conversation of injustice, mm-hmm. you know? And so a lot of the conversation that we're having right now with our, with our, with, with, with our five-year-old and our three-year-old too, actually is just this, understanding of who you are right yeah uh helping them find dignity in them in and of them own selves because they live in a world who's gonna who's, who's gonna say hey your brown skin is different mm-hmm. hey your 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 curly hair is different you know and so instead of bombarding them right now with kind of this um because they're already getting it right so instead of bombarding them with this hey this is how the world is going to see you what we're trying to do right now is actually build up in a way where they have this self-esteem. Mm-hmm. When that comes, you know, it's gonna, it's not gonna hit as hard, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're not gonna actually wrestle. Oh, am I, am I really not as beautiful as the blonde girl? Am I, you know, am I really not as beautiful as the lighter-skinned girls? <laughs> you yeah. know, um, but they'll know from their home, from the foundation, uh, that no, 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 they are beautiful. Their body can be seen as a standard <laughs> you know yeah. um their hair is gorgeous curly or not you know and so yeah and because i feel like that's one thing that i and again too this is like the scales being peeled off my eyes of it of like i've i keep seeing the things that's like you're beautiful for a black girl and i'm like yeah in my mind i'm like i don't think i've ever thought that but like mm. i'm like you check yourself because i'm like yes like they are different and like their hair is different, but it's like, that does not make it any less valuable or any less beautiful. Yeah. It just is yeah. a different shade of different. And yeah, that's really good. I think like, that's something that, you know, it's, I, I, that's the question that I've had to a lot of people is why is this time different? And hopefully this time is different. And I think yeah. it is like the perfect storm. And as much as like, God didn't warrant COVID on all of us, I feel like yeah. having us spent like, so so much um so much time by ourselves and yeah. like built up tension like it kind of became yeah. the perfect storm like it's terrible that yeah. it has taken what it's taken but like you can hope that this is a time this is a generation this is whatever it may be that we can have these conversations to like genuinely like turn our hearts and i think something it's yeah. i know personally it's something our church is really like trying to do um, my pastor, yeah. this has always been something that's been on his heart. And we've, it's been, I would say he's probably had conversations, but I don't know if we've had conversations as the church. Um, yeah. And we, like our past service, obviously everything's online, but they had like a yeah. family talk and we had, um, I think there was like 10 to 12 people of color and they just got to talk and tell their stories yeah. and tell <laughs> things. And it was like, again, two of like, wanting to be like careful of not exhausting our black friends, but also to have been like, I want to be like, I also want to just be like, how are you? But as I Mm -hmm. say that, I also too like saw something yesterday that was like, this isn't a time to just like check on your like five black friends. This is a time to call out your 300 white friends. Wow. And I was like, you know, like that one hit home. Cause I was like, I do have like, (laughs) you know, I do have a circle of like people of color that are really good friends. And like, I, want them to know I'm thinking of them, but I'm like, I also need to check myself and check the other people around me and check my family and yeah. just like moving forward. Um, cause it's, I think too, like, I know sometimes things feel too small and it's like those small things are what make the differences. Cause those things just start to snowball and they'll, they'll become bigger impacts the more that we do them. But we, we have to continue to have conversations you know, I think of as like, to me, it seems small, but it's probably a big deal of when I'm buying a friend, a baby gift by them, that is a multiracial book. 
so that their kids are uh, seeing different colors. And it's like those little absolutely. things I never thought of, but those can make big differences to just yeah to see color, but see it equally as well. Yeah, that's so good. It's um, I think that's a huge point, man. There's we read a lot of books to our girls, man, and, mm-hmm. and one of the one of the mo- more foundational books that we've gotten recently is a book called uh, "God's Very Good Idea," and uh, it's this book authored by Trillia Newbell, mm-hmm. and it it portrays Jesus as this brown Jesus <laughs> in the in the in the book, right? And so, like we we know, you know, coming to age that, you know, Jesus wasn't a white, blonde haired, blue eyed kind of Mel Gibson, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, looking, <laughs> looking type, looking type cat, you know, he was, he was a brown skin, uh, woolly haired Jewish man, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so like when my, when my daughters see this for the first time, you know, they're, they're taken aback, but they're filled with this kind of joy that's like, yo, wait, Jesus, Jesus is brown, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and it does something to them, right? Because because they've, when they go to church or when they see drawings of Jesus, they see a different portrait of Jesus, yeah. right? So on the on the contrary, on the other hand, my my sister in law, she's got those three boys, um, she's got the same book for them, right? And so when they read God's very good idea, uh, they're looking at the book and saying, wait, Jesus is brown. Mm-hmm. I wanted Jesus. To, I wanted Jesus to be white like me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then so it it, it it's like, uh, I think that's so crucial for us to for us to recognize that, for us to understand it, especially as far as how deep the racial uh, or racism, you know, is mm-hmm. is in America. Like it doesn't just start when someone has some kind of lashing out of saying a racial slur or when someone has a lashing out of doing some kind of, you know, violence against someone of a different color. Mm-hmm. It's, it starts in the indoctrination processes from when we're very young. And so when you're saying when someone has a birthday, when you let your friend's kids have a birthday and you bring them a, a, a doll, that's a multiracial doll or even a black doll, or if you bring them a book uh, that has, you know, people of different colors in that book, like you're actually helping shape a anti-racist mind mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're when you're when you're doing that kind of stuff. And I think that's so crucial and something that we should take a little bit more seriously, especially yeah. if we want to see changes going forward in the future. I agree. Yeah. And it's like those things that, again, that like, to be quite honest, like never really crossed my mind. But now that like it does, I'm like, you it's like once you see it, you can't go back. <laughs> and so That's right. Absolutely. I, I just hope that that like resonates. And it's like, you know, that to I've talked to a lot of people and it's like, yeah, like give yourself some grace, but then also like, just don't go back. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Like, you know, like we all, we should have been better, but yeah. now we, now yeah. we know and we can be better. Um, That's good. Well, okay. And okay. I just feel like God's timing is insane because I can only imagine <laughs> that the ambassador was planned prior to all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. your launching time and everything just has happened. So will you tell mm. people a little bit about the ambassador and then also like your vision for it, how it started? I mean, I'm just, yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. 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 So Man, the ambassador, it is a, <clears throat> it's a passion project of mine. Uh, and it's something that's been on my mind for an extreme long time. So uh, right now I do, I'm in ministry. I'm a full-time ministry. I'm one of the pastors at Cornerstone Church up here in Ames, Iowa. And uh, before I was doing this, I had played basketball my whole life. And then when I got done playing basketball in 2017, I was in higher education for a couple of years. And then that time between 27 and early 2019, I was actually discerning a call into ministry. Uh, And so in 2019, in March, I made that jump to go full-time ministry after having been serving in the church uh, since being back in the States. But God had placed this, like when I was, when I was telling you, Rachel, just, just, you know, um, your childhood, you know, all the things that the past that God puts you down, the, the, the places he puts you in, uh, the events that he has unfold for you, Mm -hmm. those things play a part into, into who you're going to become later in life. And so I truly believe that the ambassador is something that kind of leaks out of 
my my whole entire life experience, <laughs> you know, as far as uh, trying to bridge the gap between, you know, different cultures, what re- what reconciliation looks like, how culture affects different people, uh, what justice looks like mm-hmm. biblically, you know. And so um, this had been something that's been on my mind for a long time, but it became a heightened thing that was on my mind, you know, way back in uh, early 2019, um, when I first came into ministry. And so I started this connection group here at my church and uh, my pastor and I, uh, my lead pastor and I at the church, we were wanting to do this class on race in the church that was going to be happening this March. So it's so March of 2020. Oh my gosh. Um, but, 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 but COVID-19 happened, <laughs> right? And so yeah. we weren't able to do the race in the church class, but we have been preparing for that because our church is a primarily white church. And so talking about race, race in this way, was going to be like transformational and foundational, you know? And so we have been trying to lay groundwork, drop some seeds, uh, do book clubs, Bible studies, and talk about the multi-ethnic church, just talk about race and reconciliation in general, just trying to get the church's mind to flow in this way. And so we had it set where March of 2020, we were going to do this class and just have an environment. We can all have this round table type event. You're going to get kind of a, a mixture of lecture from the stage, conversation between my pastor and I, and just different kind of dialogue, create this space where it's a safe space that might turn uncomfortable, but it's safe nonetheless, right? Yeah. And so you can you can get in there and you can talk about words like race and racism and privilege and prejudice and discrimination and uh, microaggression, all these different terms that people may not know about uh, readily, but you'll be in a space where um, you can't hide behind like, oh, this is getting too political or you can't hide yeah. behind, uh, you know, I don't really feel this way or that way. You can't, you know, be a keyboard warrior and just go off and not see the interpersonal relationship and the expressions on people's faces. And so we wanted to create this environment where that could actually really happen. So anyway, uh, COVID-19 happens. We had to cancel the class, but I still really wanted to do something. You know, and we were even going to make a resource page for after the class. We would say, hey, if you want more information on this topic, whatever we talked about tonight, you can go to this resource page, check out this book, uh, watch this movie, read this article, whatever it is, mm-hmm. <clears throat> just to help people not only come to this class, but also take something along with them. And my hope was to was for it to not only be something that was informational, but something that would be transformational in their walk with Christ. And so. Uh, the class couldn't happen, but in my connection group, I had this, so this, this girl and her husband in my group, um, she works on staff at Cornerstone as well. And so this whole year in our connection group, we've been talking about, we're the, we're the most diverse connection group at Cornerstone church. Um, it's a, it's an amazing concept, right? (laughs) So in this, in this group, we're actually hashing out all these different kind of things. And so. Uh, a lot of the white people in the group were understanding for the first time maybe in their lives that race wasn't just something that minorities talked about whenever someone gets shot, you know, or whenever this kind of stuff happens. Like, like, like this is a normal conversation that happens like more often than not, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. um, we have a, we have a, we have friends who are an interracial couple, you know, and, uh, black guy, white gal. And, you know, the white guy, she was she was trying to tell us sometime in conversation that, you know, at my house, when I was growing up, I can probably count on one hand how many times that we actually talked about race in my house, (laughs) you know, and she's like, but when I go to my husband's house, you know, (laughs) like, there's probably not a time that that we've been there and we didn't talk about race, you know, and so like this, this kind of realization from my connection group was super stark. You know, but it was super helpful too across this, like along this year. And so this girl uh, who was in my group, when COVID-19 happened, she knew we were going to be doing this class and we were having all these different conversations and group was over this one night. This had to have been, I want to say maybe six, seven months ago now, <clears throat> or maybe even more than that. I'm losing track of time with COVID, man. Um, <laughs> but she, um, usually everybody just leaves group, right? But she ends up staying her and her husband ends up staying around. Um, my wife and I, we co-lead with another couple and they end up sticking around one night and she's just, you know, in tears and shambles, like, you know, 
confessing this, saying that, you know, and, and just trying to make sense of how she's been operating uh, racially in the world, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And it was nothing, and it was, and it was nothing even off the chain. But it was just, it was just this realization of uh, internalizing what she's seen, what she's experienced, how she's processed it, how she's been complicit with it, and she was just like, "I feel so sick over this," mm-hmm. you know. And I was just like, you know, that was that was it was wow, and it was a moment. Mm-hmm. And so her her role at the church, she's our like digital, she's our digital market uh, marketer, right? And so she does digital arts, does all this kind of stuff. And so she just said, "Hey, I know the class isn't going to happen anymore, but I want to give my time and my talents to whatever you want to do to kind of." make this whatever 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 we're having right now i want this to be something that other people can jump into <laughs> yeah you know and so i was like wow that is amazing so over the course of the next couple months we had enlisted a couple other people so you go to my our website we are ambassador.com you'll meet the team and we have persia gambles tracy spears so i recruited them and like yo i want to i want to do this we got in conversation with carrie and she was like yeah Let's do a website. And so I was just, you know, I'm in, in my mind, like, yo, resource page, you know, movies, <laughs> books, whatever. And that would be great. She's like, no, I no, want no, that. No. We got to do that. We got to do the website. You know, we got to do the podcast. Uh, we got to do story videos. I want to do documentaries. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do too. But I really did. But I didn't want to overwhelm anybody. And so... Um, it was so cool to just kind of see that turn that was like, man, everything that was pouring out of my heart uh, now has this avenue to go to called the ambassador. Mm-hmm. And it's been it's been magnified by the gifts and the talents of people who want to walk alongside me and do this. And mm-hmm. so um, it's just been so amazing. And so it's been it's been months in the works. It's been years in the thought, right? Months in the works. Yeah. Um, and so we had recorded a bunch of stuff um, and just the timing of it coming out now, like we could have never foreseen the time mm-hmm. of uh, the Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. Um, but it's such a timely piece. We had some stuff recorded and, and written out and, and written up and whatnot. And we had to go in and just change some things to to make sure we were doing justice with the cultural moment. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, it, it, was, it was so good. Uh, there was an immediate positive response. Um, so many conversations, so many thank yous. Like we don't even have anything set up to kind of support or help fund what we're doing. And people just keep asking, yo, where can I give? Like, what, what can I do? <laughs> where can yeah. I give? Like, can I, is there anything you need? You know, we had someone send us an email the other day and they're saying, you know, if you ever get a blog or anything, writing a blog was like one of the main things I wanted this to be about just for people to kind of have a way to, express themselves and, and, and talk about some of their own experiences in a blog type platform. Um, and we had a lady that sent us an email just the other day that said, Hey, if you ever uh, have a blog, you know, I, I would love to offer free editing services, you know, to the, to the ambassador. I want to give in that way. And I was like, man, that is incredible. You yeah. know? And so there's just been, you know, time after time, affirmation after affirmation of just, man, this is a timely thing and it's a needed thing. So it's been really good. Definitely. And I feel like, I mean, I think it would have been something people would have been interested in, you know, six months ago or before um, this movement and, you know, everything that's happening culturally. But like you said, it just is the timing of it that people are really eager to hear. And I think that the, the part of it that I just love so much is that, there's a lot of communication and there's a lot of things to do, but I, I just personally don't know a lot of things that are like centered off of the Bible and Christian culture. And, uh. you know, so I think that is kind of a way to, cause you try to be careful as to, or at least I try to be careful as to what I'm taking in um, yeah. too and the guidance of that. And so I think that's just such a blessing to have those, those two areas mesh. Yeah, um, that's good. And no, knowing too, I think like anything that's come since, like all of this has since Breonna Taylor and Amanda Arbery and George Floyd, like is amazing. But I think too, it just is, there's such a a heart to it when it became before, you know, when it was an idea, idea years, like you said, idea years ago, but 
plans are already coming together months ago. Like I just feel like there's a different yeah. heart there and I, I just right. love that so much. Yeah, that's good. One of the things that I wrote down that I just loved was the hub, the humble, yeah. unified, and bold. I was like, yeah. oh, I love that. I want to live by that. <laughs> <laughs> I can elaborate a little bit on the on the hub idea. So I wanted to yeah. talk about this a little bit on the podcast too, man. Just this idea of of hub. Yeah. This humble, unified, bold. It's the vision of the ambassador. Uh, and it's all rooted in the scriptures, man. Like, um, the the ambassador aims to be this this coalition that pursues things like religion, culture, and justice uh, in ways that pursue reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And so, when you're thinking about the term reconciliation, uh, there are things that have to go into that, right? It's not just the coming together of two parties, despite all odds, right? There's a there's a there's a there's a justice and a righteousness or forgiveness factor that has to play in this idea of reconciliation, you know. Mm-hmm. And you can't you can't get those pieces if you don't have humility, if you don't have unity, and you don't have boldness, right? So, so uh, the idea of being humble in it stems from uh, this passage in Philippians two one through four, you know. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. If any comfort from the love, if any sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Right. I love that. How how Paul puts that in Philippians, where like man to to have humility mm. means to actually come outside of yourself and see others as more valuable than you see yourself right and it's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a dangerous call it's a scary call but it's a necessary call nonetheless if we're looking to be um this unified body that god calls us to right and so the, the unity part stems from john 17 jesus's high and priestly prayer for both his followers of the time and then his followers who are going to be in the future who are us <laughs> Right. Yeah. He says the world would know that we belong to him. The world would know that we belong to the father. The world would know that we believe in this reconciliatory gospel message of Jesus Christ. If we're unified, if we're one, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. this 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 idea of unity, it it's it's this apologetic, you know, that says, mm-hmm. man, the world that's looking on at the church has to see a unified body not a unified body that's unified in homogeneity or affinity, right? Rallied around one particular thing or rallied around one particular ethnicity. It's got to be a unity that, uh, that includes diversity, you know, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what this John 17 picture gives us. And then just the, the boldness, first Timothy one seven says for the spirit of God gave us the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power love and self-discipline and so man we they you you gotta live by this kind of hub lifestyle if you're gonna pursue this 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 idea of racial reconciliation and so that's been that's been my heart that's what the the team has kind of uh rallied around and has submitted to and i think that's kind of the call that i think we all have to submit to if we're gonna be seeing for progress in the future in this particularly in the church but absolutely in the world too no, I agree. I think that's beautiful. And I think, again, too, that's what I love about this is like the scripture that this is built off of. And yeah. I think it's something, too, that like a lot of people do look to the church. And I think the capital C church hasn't, I I can't speak because I'm pretty like more new to it that I haven't looked at it holistically, but I feel like we've not yeah. done a great job or we haven't been proactive and we've maybe yeah. been a little reactive and to be proactive yeah. with this. Um, and I think those are two, like those, those three words and those three, um, parts of scripture, like we can all resonate on. And I feel like it kind of makes it like more tactical. You know what I mean? Like it makes it a little bit simpler of trying to like, what can I do? It's like, go to those three things. And if you can be those three things, you're at least moving in the right direction. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. yeah, and I love I love your assessment. You know, you say you're you're kind of young in this thing, but 
your your assessment is not wrong <laughs> you know yeah and it and it, and it and it and it even holds more weight because you're so new right because it actually shows how evident it is mm-hmm. and so uh yeah that's that's a that's a great word it's a critique even though you didn't even mean it's a critique and we need <laughs> that so so thank you thank you for that yeah 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 well i only have one more question is there anything that we you want to talk about that we didn't talk about no, but I think I know what your question is, and I'm really excited for it. <laughs> so, you know how it is. The last question. Yes. Because it's called Slice of Your Life. What's your favorite yes. slice? <laughs> I was thinking the whole time. I was like, yo, is she going to ask me my favorite slice of pizza? Of course. I listened to a couple of episodes. Yeah, so my, my favorite slice of pizza, um, I'm going to say just a, a basic supreme pizza. Okay. Um, I love supreme pizza. I'm a... I'm a I'm a I'm a closet uh, green peppers fan. Okay, why closet? Because <laughs> so like, I, I like yo, I'm a I'm a big dude. I gotta look like I don't like veggies that much. I'm like a a raw you know red meat eater. No, yeah. but uh, yeah, I love I love Supreme Pizza. Um, okay. No mushrooms though. Hold okay. the mushrooms. Hold the mushrooms. So, is there anywhere specific that you or just like anywhere? Yeah, anywhere. Okay. Anywhere. Supreme, Supreme is what I get. Okay. I have to ask because, um, I mean, you're Iowa city, so you get it. Did you like Wigan pen? Uh, <laughs> you know what? I didn't, I didn't really like it when I was there, but when I left there, I started liking it a lot more. Okay. That's fair. Um, well, yeah. What do you think? I love it, but I feel like it was always like a guilty pleasure. Like it would be like, an ordeal. It was like it's wig and pen night, and it would happen like yeah. every so often, and more so because you just like gourd yourself in cheese. But I choose I pick That's wig right. and pen over like any of the Chicago deep dish, which I am. People hate me for that, but I just really? I'm not a big Chicago deep dish. I'll eat it. Don't get me wrong. People are like, yeah, yeah. we can't go, and I'm like, no, it's pizza. Like I'll still eat it, guys. Like, yeah, but yeah. it's not my first pick. I guess I should say. Yeah, I think I think Wig and Pen was the first time I even had deep dish before, um, and it's it's all right. Like, yeah, I think people talk hype deep dish up a little bit. I you do. You know too. what I mean? I do and too. I'm just like, give me give me my traditional pan crust or even thin. I'll take thin crust, and I don't even like thin crust over deep dish. Um, <laughs> no, that's a bold statement. Was that was that a bold statement? <laughs> That is oh, funny. Awesome. Yeah, that's well, good. Thank you so much for doing this, Jared. Yeah. I think what you said is going to hit a lot of people, and I just appreciate you um, being honest and coming and talking about everything. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Ray. It's just a lot of fun. Maybe we'll do it again. Isn't he the best? I mean, I guess I'll let it slide that he doesn't absolutely love Wigan Pen. <laughs> but when I first listened to one of the Ambassadors podcasts, I just loved the concept of Hub living humbly, unified, boldly, but I had no idea where it came from, and I just love that it's rooted in scripture, and I think it's something that we can take on ourselves to do. But seriously, y'all, make sure to check it out. They have a podcast and a website full of resources for us all. But yeah, that's it for me. Don't worry, I'm still here in Texas. I really can't complain. I'm just continuing to work on my tan, but I do miss my family back in Chicago, but I know they're holding down the fort, and they'll be ready for air hugs when I get back. But that's it. Stay safe, y'all. Love you.